Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode. Today I'm reading in Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read and discuss the first five verses. In Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I want to stop there for today and let's discuss this for a little bit. We've seen in this book how Paul has laid out his argument, proven his case, that no matter who you are, no matter what kind of sin you've been involved in, even if you were religious, but didn't truly believe in Jesus Christ. You're a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us has been in that camp. Some may still be, but you don't have to stay there. You can come to faith in Jesus Christ even right now. But what he's saying here is he's been laying out the case for the guilty sinner who can believe in Jesus and have their sins washed away and be declared righteous in God's sight, justified by faith alone. And we've established that. We've even looked in chapter 4 at how he uses two highly acclaimed Jewish saints to prove that, Abraham and David. So now he is beginning in chapter 5, and he starts saying, okay, now for those of you who have believed in Jesus, you are justified by faith. And now he starts to tell us some of the blessings of that. Now, what we're going to cover today is verses 3 through 5. And I will start these out with an ouch. (laughs) Because verse 3, we don't necessarily like to read. It is kind of an ouch for us. But Paul is telling us here that there is benefit and glory. There is that which brings great glory and beauty to God, even in tribulations. Tribulation here, that word is just talking about pressure, things that are pressing upon us, afflictions, etc. Now, how and why is this true that we can glory in our tribulation? And it's because of what it produces. Let's take a couple of examples here. One from the scriptures. Let's look at Jesus himself. Because we read in the Gospels where Jesus, after he had had his final Passover Seder with his disciples, he had washed their feet, he had presented to them the covenant, They had received the the cup and the bread, and then they went out to the Mount of Olives. And the place that he went was a place called Gethsemane. 
Gethsemane is the place of pressing. It was a garden with a lot of olive trees and the olives would be pressed. They would be put into an olive press and pressured to produce the wonderful oil that they contained. And today we can even buy olive oil and it's gone through a pressing process so that the olive itself was crushed so that the priceless oil could come forth. Jesus goes to that place, to Gethsemane, where he also is crushed. His human desires is crushed in a sense and pressed so that the beauty that was going to come from that would then be able to flow. So he was in the place of pressing when he also was pressured. But what that place produced, how he was crushed and that beautiful product came forth, him going to the cross, paying our sin debt in full, and even in Hebrews, it talks about that and how it was the joy that was set before him, that the reason that he endured that pressing, because he knew what it would produce. He knew that as he went through with his father's will and as he completed and finished the work his father gave him to do, it would produce the family of believers the people who would believe in him and be justified by faith and become joint heirs and part of his family. And it was because of that joy of having us in his family, having relationship with us, that he endured the pressing and he endured the cross all the way to the completion of it. So Jesus is an example of glorying in tribulation because he endured that pressing so that the beautiful product could come forth, just like the olive is pressed to produce the oil. The second example I want to discuss is the caterpillar. You know, in nature, there's the caterpillars that crawl around and inch around all over and, and their grub, they, they look maybe nasty or they might be oozy. They have no real beauty to them. But every one of those caterpillars goes through a process of pressing to become something new, to become something beautiful. And it is that pressure that is necessary in the cocoon. And so the caterpillar goes through this process called metamorphosis. And we find metamorpho listed in different places in the scripture when we are transformed. The process is this metamorphosis and it happens inside the cocoon and it's absolutely necessary. 
As a matter of fact, I want to read you this quote from Scientific American, and it says this, Getting a look at this metamorphosis is difficult. Disturbing a caterpillar inside its cocoon or chrysalis risks botching the transformation. He's saying here that if you disturb the process and you try to help the caterpillar out and take the pressure off, it's going to botch the whole metamorphosis process and mess it all up. The point is not the pressure, but the product that comes from the pressure. That's what the point is. In that caterpillar's metamorphosis inside that cocoon, that pressure then produces the beautiful product of a butterfly. And then it can do things that the caterpillar couldn't do. Then it has freedom that the caterpillar didn't have. But the pressure is necessary to yield the product. Another brief example that I thought about was even in a seed. No matter what the seed is, watermelon seed, apple seed, whatever it is, corn kernel, whatever it is, that seed has to fall into the ground and germinate. It has to die and break open to eventually yield its full potential. The product is what has to come from it. That's the key. You take a seed and you plant it in the ground because you want the product that is the DNA of it and the code of it is embedded in the seed. But until that seed breaks open under the pressure, germinates, it cannot grow and produce the fruit and the harvest that's inside it. It must germinate to eventually yield its full potential. So this is the point of what Paul is bringing out here is that we don't rejoice because afflictions come. We don't rejoice because pressure comes. He's not saying that in an evil way or in some way that we love suffering. Absolutely not. What he's saying, though, is that the point is that the pressure is necessary to yield our full potential, to bring the product that is beautiful out of that pressure. So, what does he define for us here? That process yields. He says that we can glory in tribulations or we can have a testimony and a boasting or a, uh, not a boasting in ourselves in an arrogant way, but a glorifying of God because of the pressure and the product that the pressure produced. We can, we can glory in the result that is accomplished. We can glory in what this process works and accomplishes and produces and achieves on our behalf. So the tribulation achieves and produces and accomplishes perseverance or patience. This is that staying power. This is that constancy and endurance. 
You see, friend, we need endurance. Peter wrote in his book that we would endure and that, that God would work that work of endurance in us after we've suffered a while. He talks about that in his book as well. We need endurance, especially in the days in which we live, because life is hard. Sometimes life is unfair. Sometimes life just flat out hurts, and it hurts bad. But we can glory through that thing, knowing that God is with us. God loves us. He's bringing a beautiful product in the end just like we found in the story of Job. Job endured a lot, and we have a his whole book that tells us in detail all of the different struggles and things that were going on with Job. But God declared good for him in the end, and in the end, God blessed him in double ways and had beauty that God brought about from the ashes of what Job had to endure. So the first thing that these tribulations produce for us, according to Paul here, is perseverance or staying power. And then when God develops that inside of us, then that perseverance or that patience, that staying power, achieves and accomplishes character in us. It's a character building that God does. That is that proven evidence that that thing that's been tried and true in us, and we have a testimony then based on evidence in our own lives that has produced a trustworthiness, that has produced a trustiness. And then that character produces, accomplishes, and achieves hope in us. Hope, biblical hope, as we've talked about before, is that state of settledness, it's an anticipation and expectation of good, of what God has promised, of knowing we are held by and we are loved by the eternal God, the only living God, the God of love, the God of mercy, the God who is, who was, and who is to come. Praise be to God. And we have that settledness and that hope knowing that whatever we have to go through in this life, God has a much better end in mind. God is with us. He'll bring us through it. And he has good for us in the end. That's that kind of hope. And then Paul says here, hope, this kind of hope does not, absolutely, positively does not disappoint. It doesn't disgrace, put us to shame, or deceive us into expecting something and it doesn't turn out that way. It is not deceptive. That hope, when it rests in God, that is not a deceptive hope. It, it's a settledness. It's a trustworthiness. And then Paul goes on and he tells us why. Why does it not disappoint? Why does it not disgrace us? It's because... The love of God has been poured out, gushed out into our hearts, poured to abundance, filled to the brim, to overflowing, poured out, gushed into our 
hearts once we've been justified by faith alone. The love of God is poured out inside of us through the Holy Spirit. I want to close reading a few other verses, and I hope that these will also help you to understand more in considering this difficult message, because none of us like pressure, none of us like suffering, none of us like afflictions. But keep in mind that the point of the cocoon was to take the caterpillar and transform it into something more beautiful in the end. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 through 19, I want to read, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Here, John is talking about love being perfected in knowing and being established in the fact that God loves us. He loves us. He first loved us, as a matter of fact, before we even loved him, before we cared about him, before we knew about him, before we even wanted him. He loved us. Hallelujah. Then I want to read John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus here is telling us that life will be hard at times. There will be storms in life. There will be trials in life. Now there is coming a day that we Christians call the tribulation, and that is yet to come. It is close at hand. We have not yet started it, but we, it is close at hand. And I believe that the rapture of the church is even closer. And that's another discussion for another topic in another day. And I've done Revelation studies and so forth and addressed some of those things myself. But whatever you believe about the rapture of the church, etc., the tribulation itself is near at hand. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. And that's not what Paul has been talking about in Romans chapter 5. What they're talking about is just regular pressures in normal life. Pressures, afflictions, sufferings, struggles. And everyone will have those. Jesus has told us that. And the reason is because we live in a fallen world where sin is still rampant. That's the reason. We are not in the perfect world that God created since sin disrupted that. But there is, for everyone who will believe, a perfect end coming because there is a perfect kingdom in the millennial reign in the eternal state that comes in Revelation 20 through 22. We can read about that more and discuss it in another time. But that's not the world in which we live in now. We live in a world that has pain, that has tribulation, 
But Jesus said that we can overcome it because he has overcome. And then I want to close out with this final passage from Romans chapter 8. And we will get there and we will revisit this when we do. But I want to read beginning in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. For in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What comfort to know that all the different tribulations, anguish, sufferings, afflictions, whatever, hardships there may be, none of them, not one, can separate us from the love of God that has been poured out in our hearts. Hallelujah. The pressure of tribulation only turns us into a beautiful product, just like the caterpillar becomes a beautiful butterfly. And through that process, we are able to give God glory and beauty and praise for what he has done. We are able to shine forth of his beautiful work and we are able to soar and overcome like that butterfly. The caterpillar could only crawl around. He was limited, but the butterfly could soar in freedom. Don't ever doubt God's love for you, even in hardships, because he's got a beautiful end in mind when it's all said and done and all is completed. Praise God. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again. God bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen.